98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. Yeah, it is time for Wolfing Down Your Lunch. All of today's top sports stories in one place. And here to deliver, as always, is Aaron Maloney. Aaron. So, the surprise cuts have already started around the NFL as teams whittled their rosters down from 85 to 80 players yesterday. So, Pro Football Focus identified eight players, which they had by league sources, as potential surprise trade or cut candidates entering the final week of training camp. Making that list was Cards running back Daryl Williams. So when you guys think about the Cardinals and them getting the season underway against the Chiefs on September 11th, will Daryl Williams be a part of the Cards running back room? Yeah, look, I, I understand why why he's on the list. Um, kind of. I mean, <laughs> I was surprised by it. I guess I, I can understand some of the logic. I, I still think he's going to be on this team, Wolf. And I'll just go back to what I've been saying for the last few weeks. Whichever one of these five running backs they aren't able to keep, I'm going to kind of wonder if they should have kept them. I mean, I know they can't keep all five, but I think they have enough keepable players at that position where they're going to have to cut or trade somebody that's pretty decent. He had over 1,000 yards last year for the Chiefs. Yeah, he combined for over 1,000 yards yeah. last year for the Chiefs, but it's still the same thing, to your point. Um, listen, I think Daryl Williams is going to be here. The reason why I believe that is because of the lack of reps that he has gotten in the first two preseason games. If they were looking at Daryl Williams as men, you know what, we want to see more out of this guy. This guy is a bit of a, a question mark right here. Um, they'd be playing them. They'd be playing him, I should say, in these preseason games. So the fact that he's not, the fact that he's gotten so little time right now, um, I would be surprised if Daryl Williams was not part of the plan going forward for the Cardinals. Now we'll see what happens, of course, on Saturday night against the Tennessee Titans. If suddenly you see Daryl Williams out there and he <laughs> he's getting 25 reps, now all of a sudden um, that may change my view of this, but Right now, I think Daryl Williams is here. The Cardinals were out on the field today with the Titans in Tennessee for joint practices. Here's Cliff Kingsbury from today. I think anytime you're doing 11 on 11, it's probably um, the best work you can get. But the one on one is good to go against somebody else and, and work your technique against uh, a different technique than you've seen all, all training camp. But I, I like the one day. Um, it's kind of like my Vegas philosophy give me 24 hours and I'm, I'm good. <laughs> He's right, by the way. He's that is so right. Cliff. Oh, my. My gosh. What did That's you see? That's going to be great. What's that, Mel? What did Sorry. you see today? <laughs> you know what? Honestly, yeah. I'm Maybe just... if Cliff stayed at Circa, he wouldn't be that 24-hour <laughs> rule. Be a week at least. <laughs> I just love it. It's so Cliff I mean, right there. I mean, with Stadium Swim? That, you know How many pools do? do they have, Wolf? Take that quote and superimpose it over the picture of his Paradise Valley. Huh? I mean, honestly, that's what they need to do right there. 
Listen, um, he's not wrong. They got after it today. I absolutely loved what I saw out there. That two-minute drill where the Arizona Cardinals were actually working against the Tennessee Titans. The Titans were working offensively. They started first, and they worked against the Arizona Cardinals. It was a three and out. They got off the field. As a matter of fact, the first two were three and outs, and I'm talking about the ones here. I'm only talking about the ones. And then, of course, on the third possession, Ryan Tannehill threw a pick to Byron Murphy, and it was a great play by Byron Murphy. The Arizona Cardinals actually moved the ball down the field, even though they had some penalties, but Kyler Murray won the ones going against the Tennessee Titans. That was great to see. I loved it. It was great work. So do you want to elaborate on the Kyler Murray against the ones? Yeah, you know, Kyler Murray threw some really, really nice passes. A lot of them got um, eliminated via the penalty. They had three, I believe it was two false starts and one illegal motion penalty. So um, they got to clean that up, obviously, but on all three of those penalties, Kyler threw a nice ball down the field, completed the pass, and it was nullified by um, the penalty. And guess what? Kyler went off, too. Sorry. Sorry to answer. So <laughs> No, love it. You're the only one that's out there. We're not seeing this. Yeah, we're here if you want, Wolf. I can tell you what I see in the parking lot We're living vicariously through you. I'm just saying, I got a ton more. I got a ton of stuff here individually, of course. If we want to talk about it, we'll do it. Cool. We'll do it live. We have two hours left of the show. We got this. Indeed. So yesterday we learned that Kevin Durant will be staying with the Nets. Here's Jay Williams. What we just saw was the power dynamic shift from this being Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's team to it being Joe size team, Mm -hmm. which has always been, right? And this is something I said a month ago. I said, hey, look, when this new CBA comes up, oh, trust and believe Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, has watched big-time player after big-time player say, ah, I don't want to be here, and force their way out. And there will be major, significant penalties for players who don't commit or fulfill their contract if they don't want to be somewhere. Do you think this is the first step in NBA front office is taking back power from players. You know, honestly, I kind of hope it is, Wolf. I mean, I tend to side with the players more often than not, but I think part of the reason the Durant stuff doesn't bother me as much as it it would have, you know, if he had just, if he had forced his way in a trade to Philadelphia or something, is because at the base of this, I think a lot of Suns fans were wrestling with the idea of of getting a super team by getting a player off another team who still had four years left on his contract. I, that That's a problem in the NBA. I was We were going to have to come to terms with it if it meant Kevin Durant comes to the Suns. It's kind of annoying that the one time somebody finally takes a moral stance against it is when it could have actually helped the Suns. But I think big picture, Jay Will is probably right that on some level uh, the NBA is going to try and do something about this. You can't just have guys trying to get out like that. This is the issue facing the the NBA. This is the issue going forward. They have to fix this. Forget about everything else. Forget about anything else. This is the issue they've got to fix going forward. It is bad business. It is a bad look for the NBA when you've got these guys like Kevin Durant who signed these huge contracts $198 million. It is a bad look when these guys are trying to force their way out of an organization. And it happens over and over and over 
over again. You're trying to have some type of loyalty with a fan base who are paying and buying their tickets. You've got, you cannot allow your best players, your superstars, to have this kind of impact and this kind of power where they could just walk out of an organization, force their way out, because for whatever reason, they're just tired of playing for you. It is a bad look for the NBA, and the fact that they're going to do something about it, I don't know what that is, but maybe it involves a, a player losing guarantees, losing millions, Whatever it is, they've got to bring the loyalty back to the NBA, and I think they will. All right, that was Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Aaron, as always. Uh, text jersey to 620-620 for your chance to win the brand-new Phoenix Suns Nike Classic Edition jersey celebrating the 30th anniversary of that 92-93 Suns team that went to the finals. Again, that's jersey to 620-620. We come back. The Cardinals have had their joint practice with the Titans. Just how much can you get out of that? Two-time Super Bowl champion Max Starks will join us next for Maximum Football. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum Football. Please welcome us from the University of Florida, tackle Max Starks. Max Starks is joining us as well. We've got Wolf in Tennessee today for the Cardinals-Titans joint practice. And obviously the Cardinals are going to play the Titans here in just a couple days on Saturday. Four o'clock kickoff there. But Max is joining us right now. So since you're here, Max, let's uh, first see how you're doing. You know, Luke, I appreciate that. I am doing very well. Thank you for asking. I'm actually back home from training camp, so I, I feel for Wolf having to travel cross country for uh, for joint practices. Still, <laughs> okay. Wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. When you say you're back from training camp, are you talking about Latrobe? Oh yes, yes. I, I spent the last three and a half weeks in beautiful Latrobe, Pennsylvania, with your brother. <laughs> but, How did but that go, Max? So listen, let me tell you about it, Wolf. Well, you know, um, your brother, your brother, your brother kind of hosed me a little bit. I'm not gonna. Lie. <laughs> We're getting ready for training camp. About it's got to you know, have something protocol. to do with food, Max. Well, no, no, no. It has to do something with uh, seeking comfort and okay. lodging. All right, but then f- food eventually comes into it. <laughs> So I, I'm talking to your brother, like, hey, man, hey, where, where'd you rent your stuff at for the dorm rooms? Uh, you know, because I want to make sure I put my order in so I can get a bed and a TV in, in the dorm room. Because they don't provide, they, the only thing they provide you with is, like, the twin-size bed, a dresser, and then a desk. So, like, that's it. It's like I mean, it's literally like moving into a college dorm freshman, freshman year. Right. So he's like, oh, they didn't tell you? I was like, what, what do you mean they didn't tell me, Wolf? I mean, who's going to tell me what? <laughs> Oh, I'm staying at the Spring Hill Suites uh, right off campus. <laughs> See, I worked this deal out, and, you know, maybe you could get the deal, too. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll have Faith send it over to you. No, like, it's two days before camp. Like, I can't work a deal in two days. So, so Wolf... So Wolf had the comfort of a nice, sweet style um, hotel room for the entirety of the stay. I was in the dorms. I had to smash two twin beds together and put them up on the highest level so the bars didn't mess with my feet. Um, 
you know, for three and a half weeks. So, yeah, so yeah. And then we did our show every morning from um, the, the, the grandstands overlooking the, uh, the field for practice. So, yeah. Uh, so, listen, so, I apologize for my brother because I'm with you on that. He hosed you. Just yeah. stop it. I mean, come like, on. You knew this in advance. He's like, I've been doing this for the last couple of years. I was like, I was like, so you couldn't just share that info? <laughs> that feels like that was intentional, oh, Max, just, to, just to put you through three and a half It's like weeks a rookie hazing all over. Yeah. It's like rookie hazing all over again. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, all right. Well, we got the the joint practice in for the Cardinals. It was just the one. But uh, Max, figured since you're here, let's let's. You, you must have experience with joint practice from your days playing in the league, right? So you know what's funny. The- Every team I went to, we never participated in joint practices. <laughs> no they're like, way. They're, yeah. Yeah. So the Steelers, um, for my nine years in Pittsburgh, never did it. Training camp in San Diego, never did it. St. Louis did not do it. And then, of course, when I was with the Cardinals for training camp, we didn't do it. So I've literally dodged the joint practices uh, um, conundrum. Okay, stop and think about it, though, right? I mean, stop and think about the intensity level. When suddenly it was you against the other guy, and you had your guy standing behind you watching you work one-on-one against the other guy, and they, they were standing behind their guy, and suddenly all the coaches were watching. And, of course, because it's the most physical part of the entire practice, the head coach comes over and starts watching that it is the most intense thing you could possibly go through in training camp of course 10 or 15 years ago (laughs) i mean when i look at it i always took every opportunity in training camp every rep as though it's me against that type of person like i took a joint practice approach to it because let's face it at this point of the year we're not teammates yet we are not a team. We are a bunch of applicants applying for a job. And we're all in line. And you're trying to do things to stand out for said job. So, you know, there were no friends. I mean, obviously, you so had, wait a minute. You had no brother-in-law. You had no brother-in-law rule whatsoever. You only if you it was like Casey line Hampton. up and host somebody. <laughs> I mean, if it was Casey Hampton or Brett Kiesel, you know, when you were established vet. Yeah, maybe those guys. But anybody else? Absolutely not. You know, I'm like, no, I, I, I got I got to get mine. And especially if you know the younger guy behind you. Is starting to starting to nip at the heels, like he's starting to get a little bit more reps, a little more compliments than you. Yeah, you need to go harder, and I think that's so. There was no room for the brother-in-law because coaches were looking for reasons in training camp to not keep you on the roster, to not keep you at said salary. They, they were looking for any reason to cut the expense or look for somebody else to come replace you, unless you're that irreplaceable guy. And I wasn't Troy Polamalu. I wasn't Alan Fanekin. I wasn't Ben Roethlisberger. So I had to keep working my, my tail off the entire time. Max Stark joining us right now. Uh, Max, okay, so one of the things that, that we were hoping that they may get out of this was getting a chance to see some of the ones out there practice against Tennessee's ones where it's maybe not as full contact as it would be in a preseason game. And part of the reason for that is because the Cardinals really haven't played any of their starters in these preseason games. Where do you come out on that just in terms of your philosophy, having been in the league for as long as you were, and now a couple of years out of the league, getting to see it from a different perspective? Any sort of concern that the Cardinals really haven't played many of their guys that are going to play in week one? Uh, there, There's a concern for me, and, and I'm sure that Wolf probably subscribes to this, is I want guys to be put under stress before the first game of the season. 
I also want guys to also experience whatever it is for a first game, the kinks, the bruises, the knots, and whatever potential soft tissue issues that may come up before week one of the season. And, you know, when I look at it, it's almost like doing a disservice to a guy. And I get there's the guys that you want to protect, right? A guy might have got nicked up in practice, but you know he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a day one starter. I get those type of precautions. But if a guy's been relatively healthy and you're going through camp, and I know a lot of guys want to say, oh, man, the preseason's worthless. But when I tell you, well, the one thing I've noticed in getting to watch it at training camp for the first time live in that perspective um, – there's a lot that goes into that. And, and I think guys have to be physically put through that stress. Regardless of how good they are, you've got to go through the stress, at least for a quarter, a couple of series. Because, I mean, if you say, hey, starters are going to play a quarter, and say you only have two possessions, I mean, at least that's better than zero. Because I personally wouldn't want to go back out there if it's me, if I'm a starter. And I, I started last year for this team. I'm starting in this year. I don't want my last reps to be physically that Los Angeles playoff game before I make my next reps uh, live against an opponent. I would rather wash and cleanse that palate before we got to week one just so I can get a feel for it. Because your, your teammates, there's only a certain degree, and especially with the new regulations and rules, there's only so many opportunities you actually get for contact in practice, right? Yeah. You, know, you can do two padded days in a row. You can't do three in a row. God forbid you do three in a row. If you do three in a row, then you have three days off. But you do two days on, one day off, and then of course every seven day is a, is, is a mandatory rest. Day. So you don't get those contact moments, those moments to kind of callous your body to get ready for the long haul, which is an 18-week season. And that's where I'm like, I at least want something in there just to know you can mentally prep yourself. And if there is any issues, you do get a little ankle, you do get a bruise or some type of strain. You can take care of it earlier rather than taking care of it and managing it during the season. Yeah, I think there's a lot of guys who don't think like we think, Max. <laughs> I think yeah. there's a lot of guys in the NFL today that don't feel that way. They feel, I'm fine. If I don't play in the preseason, I'm abs- absolutely fine. For me, it's unthinkable. <laughs> it's unthinkable yeah. to actually go into the regular season without taking a live rep in preseason. I, I, I couldn't do it, but that's not the way that it is in a lot of a lot of situations today. Alright, uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, it's looking as though the Cardinals' offensive line is already catching the injury bug a little bit. Just how concerned should we be? Maximum football will continue next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum Maximum Please welcome from the University of Florida, tackle Max Starks. Yeah, Max Starks is here. Wolf is here as well, although Wolf is actually in Tennessee. But Tennessee is here. It's all, it's all Earth. Uh, Wolf. 
we were talking about this yesterday with Cody Ford, trying to figure out why exactly the Cardinals initially were looking for somebody to play that position. Not really a knock on Cody Ford. In fact, Cody Ford seems to be a pretty uh, exciting addition for the Cardinals, especially considering they didn't have to give much up. But just why they were looking for somebody to play to add offensive line depth in the first place. So, Max, while you're here, I just want to get your thoughts on, on what you know about Cody Ford as, as he's now the newest Cardinal. Well, the the one thing I do know about Cody Ford and watching Buffalo last year, um, he, he he's he's strong, he's powerful, and but but he had an injury history, right? I mean, I think that's kind of the bugaboo type of thing. But you also know that Justin Pugh, when we brought him in, there was an injury history and an injury risk associated with bringing him in, and that seems to have paid off thus far. Um, so I think it, it, it's a low risk. Um, high-reward type of situation where if you could trade a fifth-rounder for a former second-rounder who start who has start capability and is still young, I mean, heck, he was, he was, Kyle, he was Kyler's uh, teammate in Oklahoma, and they were in the same draft class. So, I mean, he is young, um, comparatively speaking, and if it works out, I mean, a fifth-rounder is a drop in the bucket considering what you could possibly get for him, whether he's a swing interior guy or whether he is going to be um, a starter at one of the guard positions that, you know, prolonged injuries and he also has the ability to play tackle so I mean I think at this point because it's so tough to find versatile offensive linemen especially this late in the game as far as recent cuts and most teams are going to hold most of their offensive linemen if they're worth their salt um, up until the final cuts and then of course now they're playing catch up and they're truly a backup trying to get acclimated so I think it was wise for Steve Kime to move ahead just trade the pick. I mean, they've got a bunch of comp picks anyways and get it out the way and, and try and solidify the depth of your offensive line. Do you like the fact that they brought Cody Ford in knowing that he was a teammate at Oklahoma of Kyler Murray's? Do you like that, Max? Uh... Not personally, but I mean, this is the age of Red Rover. Red Rover send all of his teammates on over. So wait, I'm hoping we don't cut Trey Norwood because he might end up out here too. Um, you know, but I mean, you, it, it is. I mean, I like the fact that you are going all in on Kyler. Right, this is your franchise guy. You paid him to be your franchise guy, but I feel like you're putting all these pillows around. The, you know, around the bed for like your child that, that, that just got converted from a crib. You know, like putting all these pillows around. Okay. If they roll out of the bed, they're safe. I feel like that's what it looks like it's doing from the outside, right? You're putting all of these Oklahoma ties around Kyler to make him feel comfortable to a degree, I guess, to open him up, um, and see him talking with different, uh, position groups. I, I, I don't know, but it is odd that you, that you do have that many teammates. I mean, heck, I'm trying to think of over my career, Wolf. Yeah. Teammates that I physically played with at one time or another, I can't, none. Wow. <laughs> I mean, well, no, one came in for training camp. It was Dallas Baker, um, wide receiver from Florida, but he, he, he was a young guy, um, a freshman, um, going into my junior, senior year. Yeah. And so, so that, but, but he was only here for a cup of coffee. It was only there for a cup of coffee. But other than that, yeah, no, I didn't play with any of my former teammates, really. Um, so, yeah, so that's why it's like weird in the same offseason, you, you've not only brought two guys in and then you re-sign Kyler to this, to this massive extension, and it's just, it's just very, very different. 
Difference is a great word to use. Yeah, and we should point out for anybody that doesn't know, it's not like Max went to Fairfield. Max went to Florida. They have a pretty <laughs> decent amount of uh, players Fairfield in the community. That's right. Uh, Max, we were having this uh, this conversation the other day trying to figure out, you know, you get to Sunday. Let's say the Cardinals are playing the Chiefs tomorrow. Now you have Cody Ford in there. How many offensive linemen are you dressing? Try to think of this as a coach, not an offensive lineman, because you probably have okay. like 25 of them dressed and ready to play in the game. Not every one of them. <laughs> no. But as a coach, are you putting seven or eight guys out there? And I'm assuming Cody Ford's one of those seven or eight guys. Yeah, no, I'm dressing eight uh, for sure. Um, just because, like you said, you got guys coming off of nicks and bruises and injuries and this, that, and the other. And let's face it, we saw it last year. Last year, for front half of the season, guys were dropping like flies. So I would rather err on the side of missing one special teams guy and praying that guy stays healthy versus me praying for the offensive line to stay completely healthy, especially when you've had the injury issues with Pew and with Hernandez thus far. And we also know the history from the past of guys missing missing time because of either a rib or an ankle or a knee or a hamstring. It's just one of those things. And especially if you're not playing starters, the prevalence for soft tissue injuries is so much higher at the beginning of the season. That's why they had those guardian caps for the first two weeks because they knew that the impact and the stress on the first two weeks of training camp is greater than in season. But that also is barring that you're actually playing out some of those nerves and emotions and getting your body acclimated in the preseason to game time action and they're not doing that so now I that is my that is my guardian cap is to play the eighth offensive lineman and have him dressed for week one so okay you're gonna you're talking about eight for the game that you're gonna dress what about on the roster how many do you think they'll keep at 10 is that something you could see the Arizona Cardinals doing I don't know about that no, I think it'll be eight active and then two practice squad guys. I mean, that that's just usually the modus operandi is you either keep eight or you keep nine offensive linemen, and then you have a practice squad to make sure that you have two full lines. So, But I think with the Cardinals and the way that they've been kind of going as far as training camp and, and the skill positions that you guys possess, I think it's probably going to be like eight offensive linemen and then two practice squad guys for this season, and then you'll just have to dress all eight. And then, of course, if anything happens the next week, you bump up and down uh, those additional linemen. What would you, Max Starks joining us, uh, the other part of this, Max, when we were trying to figure out why initially they would even be making the call was, okay, you know, what if Rodney Hudson is is still uh, working his way back from an injury? What if they have an injury we don't know about? How much flexibility does Justin Pugh give you? Could you not dress Sean Harlow on game days and just go with Cody Ford and Josh Jones because Pugh could slide over to center if you had to? And it turns out Justin Pugh is actually the one who might be hurt. But uh, where is your comfort level with Pew if they had to switch him over to center mid-game for like two quarters or something? I, I think I think it's more pinch. I would probably dress Sean Harlow um, if you have a concern with Rodney Hudson and you have a week of preparation. It's different if this happens like Friday, right? You get the yeah. injury. Or it happens during the first or second quarter of a game. Then I agree. You, you slide over Pew. But if you have any prior inklings, Six cents, <laughs> foresight. You you read a crystal ball or you shake the magic eight ball. If you have any doubt that you that you make sure that Sean Harlow's able to dress, and then you just have to dress eight offensive linemen. You you still dress your guard and your tackle and Josh Jones and company and Justin Murray, or you know, but you have Sean Harlow dressing as well um, for that contingency plan. If you have a if you have a doubt for Rodney, because I don't think it's right to have a guy start at one position, then you're like, oh, injury, you got to move over. 
and now it's two p- places that are now unsettled as opposed to just inserting one guy. That makes it a lot easier for an offensive line and for continuity to replace one guy and keep the other guy in his position. Unless emergency, then you slide him over. But you always want to move the least amount of positions, if possible, to make a full line. Max, only got about 30 seconds here, but Justin Pugh with his pinched nerve. Have you ever had a pinched nerve? I have had a pinched nerve. It is okay, annoying. How bad, it is debilitating. How bad was it, and did it keep you out of games? It was in my neck, and it did not keep me out of the games. I had to end up wearing like a dolphin collar um, to reduce the, you know, some of the neck movement to protect that pinched nerve. But uh, it, it is something that, you know, depending on where it's located and how it affects how, how it tr- tracks down your body is, is a concern. If it's just localized, then he should be all right with a collar of some sort. But if it starts transmitting like down to your, to your hands or your elbow or anything, then that, that now puts your quarterback and your offensive line and also the player at risk. All right, when we come back, Max Stark's going to stick around. We're going to go around the National Football League. Uh, You know what? We'll get an update from Bill Belichick on uh, who's in charge in New England. We'll start there. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum Footballs. Please welcome us from the University of Florida, tackle Max Starks. Yeah, Max Starks is here. We're going to go around the National Football League right now. Wolf is kind of here as well. Wolf's in Tennessee, but he's here on the show. And so, uh, guys, I figured we'd start with the Patriots. I haven't heard this quote yet, but it's Bill Belichick speaking, and I feel like he's getting irritated with the questions already, even though it's only August. So uh, he went ahead. You know, there's been all this talk of who's going to be running the offense for New England, who's kind of who's running the show. Belichick clearing things up with this one. There are a lot of people that are involved in, in uh, all three phases of the game. Uh, ultimately, I'm responsible for all of it, so... If you want to ask who's in charge, then it would be me because I have the final say in every area. There we go, Wolf. Is <laughs> that not the most Bill Belichick answer you can get? It's just absolutely fantastic right there. I really love it, too. And I think one of the things he's trying to do is make sure that nobody really knows where the play call is coming from, <laughs> right? <laughs> who's actually calling the plays? He's so myopic and detail-oriented that I honestly think he thinks that maybe you could start charting one individual who is calling plays because they are an individual unto themselves that they have their wants they have their needs they have their desires and what they like to do in certain situations this way if you really don't know who's calling the play it becomes a little in, a little bit more ambiguous doesn't it Okay, so you go from that, Max. You've got Belichick there. Then you've got Dan Campbell. This is from Hard Knocks last night. We're going places, man. There's no doubt about it, man. We're going. I, you can already see it. I got a clear vision for where this team's going. But I know this: if we really want to go where we want to go, we got to get all the rest of this out of our stuff, man. All this dirt, everything that's in our team. That this last bit of losing's got to get out of here. The crushes us, that cost you a game, cost you a season, cost you the playoffs, cost you a championship game, cost you a Super Bowl. Like, that's we got to get out, man. When we have a game and we own that game, we finish that game. 
Dan Campbell is like 100 miles a second. <laughs> For anybody that's either a Lions fan or certainly if you're watching Hard Knocks, Max, this, this dude is just hardcore constantly. Listen, he went, he went, I mean, this is the guy who, who was talking about making sure you bite off guys' kneecaps, you know. Uh-huh. So does it surprise me at all that Dan Campbell would, A, have a potty mouth, and B, let you know what his thoughts are at, every, at any given moment? Uh, not surprised. Color me, not surprised. But also, isn't this the same coach that also had the players go out and work out by themselves while the coaches <laughs> took off, essentially? Yeah, you know, yeah. honestly, Max, <laughs> here's the whole thing. Did you happen to see what he did, though, when he, he said, we got to get all this stuff out? Did you see what he did with the jeans? No, I did not see the jeans part of it. Oh, oh man. Max, Max was in his dorm room. He couldn't Max, be watching. he had, like, baby yeah, I didn't powder have or something, <laughs> baby powder in the jeans, and they were folded up, and he totally took it in front of the team and unfolded the jeans, snapped them in the air, and it, this powder-like stuff went everywhere. If you were sitting in the front row, you got hosed with it, man. Oh, you I'm got kidding. dusted. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. He was saying, we got to get all this stuff out. We've got to get it out of us. He was he was he was trying to create a visual max and i have to tell you man you know how this stuff goes it's kind of cool at first but if you keep doing it it gets old you're like i'm a grown man i don't need this this carny act in front of me right now i'm a grown man speak to me like i'm a grown man because all this bluster and this nonsense and these metaphors these visual metaphors that you're using for me i don't need them i don't i'm going to go and play he's treating them like they're almost high school kids very interesting to me and at some point in time that's going to get old no, absolutely. I mean, the parlor tricks are great for people who want to be fooled. But at the same time, th- th- these are professional men, like you said, Wolf. I don't want to be fooled. Just tell me the truth. I don't need to hear right. about kneecaps, dirty jeans, and cleaning them. It, it sounds like chores. Um, and, and everything else that goes, like, it's the theatrics. And I'm like, what does it? what is it about... Detroit and their decisions for head coaches over the years. You get one that gets fined. You get the other one that rides off in a Harley. And now, now the current iteration, Dan Campbell, former player, Dallas Cowboy. I get it. But it's like, come on, guys. Like, can you find somebody who's actually serious about this process? You know, I, I you know, sad to say that when you think about the last time this team was successful and what they had to go through before and during and then after is is just a mind-numbing thing. You wonder why franchises can't get out of their own way. And Detroit, this is one of those shining examples on national television where you're being exposed to, okay, this is what happens. We already got it with Cleveland, right? You saw how that went. Yeah. <laughs> um, everybody jockeying for positions and trying to, trying to kill the king. I mean, it looked like a real-life version of Game of Thrones, right? Everybody's trying to become king and the head coach and jockeying for the head coach position over the current standing head coach and it's just it, it's it's one of those things i just i mean we'll see I, i'm gonna see him on sunday um because that's our last preseason yeah. game is against detroit but 
Yeah, I feel bad for Elle and my boy Deuce Daly, who are on that staff. Dude, Max. Deuce is, is just like the star of the show, honestly, Max. Like, we're trying to get yeah. Wolf to watch one episode of Hard Knocks, because I want to hear more of this stuff. Like, some of the stuff that, that that Dan Campbell says, I think, would resonate with Wolf. But the other thing, Wolf, is I do wonder at some point, like, is he just going to burn everybody out? Because everybody yes. on that coaching staff yes. is like, they are living and dying with each play in a preseason game against the Colts. Exactly. And this is not a good enough team where they're, they're ever going to pay that off this season, you know? No, that that's what I'm talking about, man. I, I love Dan Campbell. I love what he says and agree with a lot of what he says. Yet at the same time, if he keeps that same kind of intensity, like if he thinks it's about him, it's about him getting his guys ready to play and, and getting his guys to adopt his mentality, it's not going to happen. It, it isn't. You have to bring guys in that have that mentality, just like you do, Dan Campbell. You have to bring guys in like that. Now, I'm not saying he can't on a short-term basis impact guys. He can. But on a long term, it becomes old. And it becomes old quickly. And it burns guys out. I speak to me like a man, coach. Don't speak to me like, like I'm seven. You, you can't do it. Now, Max, I have to ask you this, though. I wanted to get your take on Bill Belichick and what he said right there. Because what is your take in that? He, he's He's been so ambiguous about who is making the calls, who's actually calling the plays. He's been really just a, a, a dark point of information when it comes to that. What is your take on that? What do you think he's doing? I mean, I think it's all—it's kind of a way that Bill likes to keep everything anonymous, right? He doesn't want yes. to share anything at any point and give away any perceived advantage to an opponent. So he doesn't want you to know if, if, whoever's going to be calling the plays. I mean, at this point, I, I, I have no clue. His son might be calling plays. I don't. I don't, I don't know right. um, because because of what you have, Matt Patricia, who's by trade a defensive coordinator. I get former offensive player at some point in his career, and you know, obviously, his failed genius in Detroit was a testament to that. But you know, it's just it's interesting to me how they're playing it. But I get it. Your team doesn't look good right now, and you are at a quandary. You did not expect Josh McDaniels to take that job in Las Vegas, and now you're kind of reeling trying to figure out what can we do to kind of stem that tide till he can really have a good chance to find a guy. So that's where it, it's, it's tough. I mean, but the Patriots, at the end of the day, they're always going to be good because Belichick, like you said, has the final say. He has a final control over decisions for this team. So I don't look at it as being a bad thing. It's just it's it's, it's that confusing thing that happens with Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah, it's just him. All right, we come back two and a half weeks away from the Cardinals opener. What are they missing most, and when is Marcus Golden getting paid? Maximum Football continues next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on ninety-eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station.